everyone. Welcome to Way of Life Podcast, where we firmly believe that everyone picks a way in life and what way you pick is extremely important and directly affects how you live. In this podcast, we seek to interview people from all around Australia and beyond on life's most important topics. Whether you're a Christian, a skeptic, or someone with a whole heap of questions, this podcast is for you. My name is Matt, a pastor living in Brisbane, Australia. This is Way of Life Podcast. Uh, we're going to get back into the podcast, so we've got some questions that have come through. Um, so, Adam, do you believe that there is a physical rapture? I had this question years and years ago when I watched uh, Left Behind, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but is it a real thing? I think so. Yes, yeah, I think okay. we're going to be, or we're all going to be um, raised up and. Meet Jesus in the air and then come right back down. So, <laughs> so the, the the rapture is if if it's mentioned, it's it's in First Thessalonians is the place that it's really mentioned to. The, the first question is, is it in Revelation? And um, it seems like if the, if there was one place, it would be chapter eleven. So for various reasons, I think the two witnesses rep- is symbolic for the church. Um, and to be honest with you, if you've agreed with my understanding of Satan, the beast and the false prophet, you are locked into pretty much into that position as well (laughs) for reasons we won't go into now. Um, but for consistency sake, uh, so pretty much all the Christians get killed at the end, right before Jesus comes back, just so that, you know, the persecution gets so strong and so fierce, um, that they, they all die and they all get killed. And then... Um, in they're all dead for a while, uh, for a short time in verse chapter 11, verse 11, then chapter 11, verse 12. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud and their enemies watched them. So I understand this uh, being akin. It's very similar to what Paul says in First Thessalonians. I think chapter four, I'm sorry, I haven't been in. I haven't read first. So I read it a few <laughs> weeks ago, but not very clear, closely. Apparently, <laughs> I think it's first it's chapter four. Um, so yes, that seems seems to me to be indicate that yes, all of the all of the dead will uh, will rise, and uh, everybody will see it. Uh, can I go ahead and answer the tribulation question now because it's related? Pre-trib, uh, post-trib. Oh yeah. So that's somebody asked the question: pre-trib or post-trib? Pre-trib. Pre- so this is related. Um, I uh, explain so what those two mean. What is slightly? the tribulation? <laughs> the tribulation is an intense period where God pours out his wrath upon all the wicked and the disobedience. That is in Revelation, that is the trumpet and the bowl judgments, not seals one, two, three, and four. All right. Those are happening right now. Um, there, nobody asked about that. We'll talk about it afterward. So where you've got these, <laughs> these I mean, basically everybody on the planet Earth is, most people are going to be killed by God. His wrath is being poured out. It's a really horrible time to be a non-believer. God's people are not harmed by any of these, by the way. Uh, Revelation makes that clear as well as the the relationship to um, the Exodus. And again, why would God pour his wrath out on us? Our sins have been forgiven. Yeah, anyway, and the allusions to Exodus are so clear. Did God's people, when the Exodus plagues were happening, what happened to God's people during the Exodus plagues? 
They were protected in Goshen. Yeah. None of it had, none of it affected them. Um, so it's he's done it before, he can do it again. Anyway, so that's the tribulation. The question is: so there's it's an American theology, in case you didn't know. Um, this is dispensationalism, an aspect of dispensationalism uh that, that begun in in the United States. And it basically says that God is going to rapture all the Christians on planet Earth before he pours out his wrath on the wicked. Before he does. Um, that, that's called pre-tribulation rapture. Um, I do not believe that. It's definitely not in Revelation. If I'm right and the two witnesses are the church, um, they didn't get taken up until until uh, <laughs> after everybody is, after they're all slaughtered um, and right as Jesus comes back, which is right as, so, so the next verse, at that hour, which is a very biblical way of saying, right then, at that hour, there was a great earthquake, Whenever there's an earthquake in Revelation, that's when Jesus comes back, all right? Without a doubt, that, that's when <laughs> Jesus comes back. So they get taken up, and that's when Jesus actually comes back. So all of the tribulation has ended. All the trumpet and, and ball plagues have, have finished. So I am post-tribulation rapture um, because of this passage. Uh, the poor passage, it doesn't, exp- doesn't give any information. You've got to go somewhere else to discern. So I think this is a pretty good, a, a pretty good place. Um, yeah. Again, Look at God's people in Egypt. Did God take them out of Egypt when he poured out all of his plagues on on, on the Egyptians? No, he no. didn't. Um, and by the way, the bold, trumpet and bowl judgments are actually called plagues in Revelation. Some translations translate it as plagues. Um, some don't, but it, it is the word plagues. So Cool. Yeah. No, that's good. There's a new question. What is New Earth, New Jerusalem, and Zion? And who will enter these places? Oh, great question. So, so after the thousand year reign, so God's going to pour out his punishment on all the wicked. Most are going to die. Then you have this thousand year reign. Then all the people who, who still want to fight against Jesus will fight against Jesus. At that point, we then have the new heaven and earth and the new, the new Jerusalem. So if you'll remember, uh, back to Genesis 3 again, when Adam and Eve sinned, it not only affected negatively affected us, it also negatively affected the entire planet. Mm. Um, and so there is going to be a, depending on how you want, it can be a renewed earth or a new earth, uh, depending on your translation. Uh, everything's going to be renewed. I'm just going to use that term because it rolls off the tongue easier. Yep. And the new Jerusalem, if, if you read it in chapter uh, chapter 21, Essentially, God, it's its its the city of God in which all of his people dwell with him in a way that God's people have never dwelt with God before, and they're going to be like that for, for all eternity. Um, and there needs to be a new earth for that because there can't be any corruption or anything. So right now, God is in heaven in this realm that we cannot access. And throughout Scripture, throughout history, our real history, God is making strides to dwell with his people in a more intimate manner So, uh, since the fall. So it started with the tabernacle, all right? So you have the tabernacle, and God is going to dwell with them in a more intimate way in the tabernacle. Um, by the way, that's why you have all these rules and regulations, because God is in there in, an, in, in a special way. If the people sin or become unclean in any way, he has to kill them <laughs> uh, because he is holy and, and you are not, which is why you have all the sacrifices and so forth, which do more than just deal with your sin. 
Um, they deal with anything that might cause God's wrath to burn against you, which is also why throughout Exodus through Deuteronomy, God's constantly killing his people because they are constantly sinning and make themselves unclean. Then you have the next stage, he dwells in the temple. And he's going to set his name there and he's going to dwell with his people in a more intimate way. And that, you know, obviously the temple's gone. Then the next stage of God dwelling with his people is the stage we're currently in. Oh, well, it was Jesus. Sorry, it was Jesus on earth. Um, so for Jesus' ministry, God is dwelling with people in a way he's a more intimate way he's never done before. Then Jesus goes up to heaven in the ascension and then he sends the spirit, which brings... Uh, the Father and the Son to us. So so God actually dwells within us. And so in an even more intimate way, and this is just absolutely amazing, but although the Spirit is within us and the Spirit is God, so I firmly believe in the Trinity, God the Father is still in heaven. Hmm. He's still, and I point up, he's still where we can't directly access him. That changes in the New Jerusalem. In the New Jerusalem, um, God dwells with us in a way that he's never dwelt with humankind uh, before, um, and he's going to dwell with all of all of his people, all of those who have been faithful to him, mm. uh, to Jesus, who believe in Jesus, uh, and that's the way it's going to be forever. And so that's that's what the New Jerusalem. That's what we want, and yeah. he's going to rule us and care for us, and there'll be no death, no crying, no tears, prosperity for everyone. Um, it's it's going to be really really great. So that's what that is, and that's that's the goal. That's what we want. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, another question is, and I think this is a really good question. Uh, do you believe that heaven is a physical place or a state of being in the presence of God? And is heaven just a temporary place until the new earth comes, this new Jerusalem? Yeah, great question. So um, you probably can guess my answer by now. Yes, I believe it is a, a physical place. Um, but again, we've got these two realms, right? Um, that that, that uh, we inhabit the earthly realm, heaven is is the heavenly realm, um, where God actually actually dwells. And so, when we die, we go there in an imperfect form. We've been ripped from our bodies. It's 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 not it's not perfect. Uh, we are conscious. If you if you if you go to the fifth seal, uh, chapter five, uh, chapter sorry, chapter six, the fifth seal in chapter in chapter uh, six. Verse nine. I won't read it, but the, the but the the people, are, the dead the dead the dead believers, they're 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 conscious. They're they're talking to God. They're actually calling out for vengeance, uh, saying, "What are you gonna judge and pour sure. out vengeance <laughs> upon all those who 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 killed us and so forth?" Um, but I also agree it is temporary. Um, and why do I believe it's temporary? Good good order on the questions. I don't know if they came through or if you did that order because um, heaven and earth are basically meeting. There's not going to be these two two realms anymore when the new Jerusalem comes. The two realms have been disabandoned completely and everybody is going to exist on the new earth. Well, it says a new heaven and earth. It could be a new sky and a new earth. It's, a, it's this new realm. Um, and we're all going to exist together. There's not going to be these two realms. There's not going to be this, this, I don't have full access to God. Mm. Um, you know, I can't, and by that, I mean, we can pray to him. He hears us. We can speak to him. Um, he certainly does many things in our lives and so forth. He, 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 he moves people and has them do what he wants, but I can't go up and give him a high five um, because he doesn't dwell with us in that realm, in that way. So yes, it is going to be temporary because the new Jerusalem is the end goal. That's the end goal aside that salvation history. Yeah. It, it ends there and that is what continues on for all eternity. So that's, that's the goal is the new Jerusalem. Yeah. Um, yep. That's really cool. Um, 
Why is Revelation written in symbols? Like, why is it so symbolic? Yes, why not just write why a letter like Paul? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> this is this, do this. So I've put some thought into this. Uh, not much has been written on the why question, although I think it, it, it can help us be more sympathetic toward the book. God, through Jesus, the angels, and John, <laughs> is revealing to us um, the realm, the world we can't see. How do you put something that we have no experience with, that there is no analogies to? How do you put that into words? Mm. A great example is the Trinity. There's no there is no analogy to the Trinity. All right, every analogy ends up be becoming heresy. By analogy, I mean I can't point to something and say that's just like the Trinity. The Trinity is like that. I, I can't. There is nothing in our Exist, you know, we're too finite to understand it fully, and there's nothing in our realm that we can point to and say, "Ah, oh, yeah, that's just us. it's just like that." So, how do you describe this realm that you've never seen before? How, how do you describe it? I think this is the best medium for describing and explaining um, the unveiling, what we cannot see. On top of that, there are really difficult concepts that are hard to put in in in, in uh, propositions. All right, propositions like Paul's letters or, or or Peter's letters or so forth. You know, he's giving, he's telling us what Jesus' did, did death did for us. He's telling us how we should act now. These are propositions. Um, it, it's really difficult, and, and a good example is going to be the people of God. All right. There is a lot of continuity between the people of God um, from, I'll just say, Abraham up to the present day. All right, I believe Scripture presents one people of God. But something really distinct happened when Jesus came on the scene. So we, 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 we struggle with Israel and, and Christians. We struggle with the Old Testament and the New Testament. So when it comes to the people of God, there is continuity, a lot of continuity, but there's also some discontinuity between the people of God in the Old Testament before Jesus and the people of God after Jesus. And we know this is really difficult to understand and put into words because scholars, churches are still arguing about it, about it today and what the relationship is. And chapter 12 and 13 actually presents a really interesting picture of the people of God. So the woman in chapters 12 and 13 is the people of God. I don't like to label her Israel. I don't want to label her the church, the people of God. And we see the continuity because it's the people of God. It starts out the people of God before Jesus comes because she's pregnant and she gives birth to a child who is described like Jesus. So it's talking about the people of God through whom Jesus came. And then kind of what happens, but there's, and then eventually chapter 13 ends talking about the children of the people of God, the children of the woman, but the woman is sort of still there. And so we've got this picture of there's a lot of continuity between the woman and her children, right? I mean, but there's also discontinuity. And so we've got this really good image of God's people before and after. It's of a woman who's, who's it's a woman who has children, but the woman still exists after Jesus is has, has ascended. She's still there. Mm. And so you can kind of see it's this picture of there's one people of God, but there is a distinction um, between the people of God before Jesus and the people of God after Jesus. And it's actually said at the very end of chapter 12, 
uh, sorry, I should say all of this is chapter 12, sorry, not chapter 12 and 13. Eventually, he clarifies who the children are. The woman went off to make, uh, sorry, then the dragon became furious with the woman, went off to make war, and then went off to make war on the rest of her offspring on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And you heard there the rest of her offspring. Who's her other offspring? It's talking about Jesus because um, we are Jesus's uh, siblings. So, I, that that's that's the long answer. I think this is the best medium for explaining what what he has seen. Yeah. As much as it frustrates us, and it is frustrating, <laughs> I, I think it's the best medium. So makes sense. Um, I'll try and cram two more questions in. I'll try to be quick. Just to clarify, clarification: Is Jesus still God in human form right now? I believe yes, I but he has the resurrection. He asking. has the resurrection body. So when he ascended, he ascended with the resurrection body. Um, which is the body that we're all going to get, um, and he still exists in that form. I don't see anything in Scripture that says otherwise. Uh, so, yes. Can I I'll ask uh, my own follow-up question to that? Then you were talking about um, we kind of, when we go to this temporary heaven in a way, um, it's not like a physical form per se. Why would that be the case if Jesus can? So just because Jesus can doesn't mean we can't. Um, the resurrection hasn't happened yet. We don't get our resurrection bodies till we rise from the dead. Jesus has already risen from the dead. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, there, there, there you go. I think that's 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 the yeah. answer no, right there. Good. And the resurrection body isn't like our bodies right here, right? We all, we all know that. Read 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, Paul makes that point very, very clear. And then read the end of, end of, end of John. Jesus does some things that we can't do as well. So... Uh, you know, there you go. Um, who are the chosen? Uh, the, I think this is referring to the 144,000 people mentioned. Is that, is that literal? I guess the, uh, it depends how quickly you can answer it, but like there's a lot of numbers in, in in the book of Revelation. So I wonder if that's part of it. Is it actually literal or is I don't take the 144,000 as a literal number and I don't take the 144,000 as literally from... 12 tribes of Israel. Um, Dan's missing, by the way, uh, from, from that list. I understand that as symbolic for the church. I'll give you a task to do. I won't go into all the details. I'll give you a task Classic to do, lecturer. though. Classic um, Giving us homework. <laughs> so that group ends up in, they're in chap, they, they're chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. So ignore the number of 144 at the very beginning, and then look how what is what is said of the people um, besides their number. First, they get a seal from God on the forehead. Uh, second, they are called slaves of God. Uh, where's the actual passage? Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants. Slaves is a better translation, but servants, slaves of God on their foreheads. So look up every single time, every, every single t- time the term servant or slave is used uh servant slave of god is used in the entire book of revelation other than other than it i would say including this passage outside of this passage every time it refers to the people of god in toto every time yeah so again revelation self-referential i want to use revelation to interpret it further what does the seal do all right the seal um if you if it it has allusions to two other seals in the Old Testament, the two other sealings of God's people in the Old Testament. The first one is um, the the Passover. So the Passover lamb, you put it on the on the doorposts and so forth. And what was the result of that? 
God's people were not killed. Mm. All right. Uh, at least the first one wasn't. The other one, this is probably the more direct allusion, Ezekiel chapter nine. So Jerusalem is just about to fall to Babylon. And we have a picture. We are we're actually, the, the veil is pulled back. <laughs> so there's a revel- or an unveiling and there are angels speaking to each other. And before the, the destroying angels go through and kill all of the Israelites, all right, because of their sin and idolatry and wickedness, one angel is told to go through and put a seal on all of those who have remained faithful. Hmm. And then the destroying angels go through and kill everybody except for the faithful. What does this tell us about what's going on here? God's people are sealed. They are not, they do not receive the wrath of God because you have the seal of God. This makes theological sense because our sins have been taken care of. Um, further, so, so, and then finally, it's, it's, and this is pretty obvious. The, um, if you go to, there's three places where the sealed people of God are, are present. You need to read those as well. Chapter seven, the first five verses in chapter 14 and chapter 22, verse four. Those are the three places the sealed people of God come up explicitly. Um, chapter 14, verse one is hilarious. I'll read this and then I'll, and then I'll be done. Um, says, then I looked and behold on the mountain, Mount Zion stood a lamb and with him 144,000 um, who had his name and his father's name on their foreheads. By the way, that's that's the seal because it tells us later in the passage. The very previous verse is chapter 13, verse 18, which talks about the seal or the mark of the beast, which is 666, right? Every single person who does not serve Jesus gets the mark of the beast. This is made very clear in chapter 13. Which, so it makes sense because we've got this comparison and this is a these dichotomies are common throughout Revelation. It makes sense then for all of God's people to get his seal. It would be weird in Revelation to say, okay, all the non-followers of Jesus, they get the mark of the beast, but only some of the followers of Jesus get, get his mark. But there's a whole group of there who, who, who don't have any mark at all. Well, that just doesn't make sense within the book of Revelation. It just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. There's clearly a comparison between these two marks, just like there's a comparison between Jesus' city in New Jerusalem and the Antichrist city of Babylon, just like there's a comparison between God and Satan and Jesus and the beast mm. and the spirit and the uh, and the false prophet. There's all of these comparisons. This yeah. is just another one such. That's really interesting. Sorry, that was longer than I thought it was going to no, be. No, that's great. <laughs> I will finish it up there. That was, the, thank you for answering those questions. That was really, really uh, insightful. It gives me a lot to think about. I hope it gives you guys a lot to think about and, and look into. Um, and so thank you, Adam, again for coming uh, and speaking with us. Let's give him a hand, guys. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um. So, again, thank you for coming. Uh, And we're going to finish up now. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, uh, If you guys, by the way, if you, uh, I've said it to the camera already, but if you guys didn't know, we actually are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So if you you missed any of the previous ones, uh, particularly the last one as well, that was really good on mental health uh, as a Christian. Um, Check it out. It's it's really good. But other than that, uh, thanks for joining us, and I'll, I'll see you next time. Thank you.